um, we're going to be looking at here in Romans chapter 1, but we're going to be dealing with something that I really want us to step back. And my purpose in this is that we would see the big picture. Um, I looked at some of these figures uh, this last week, but I, I meant to copy them off and I didn't. Um, does anybody have an idea how many soldiers we have lost? Oh, the children. Thank you. Children, three years old through third grade, to go downstairs. <clears throat> Thank you for that. Does anybody have any idea roughly how many soldiers we have lost in the war? Okay, five and six thousand, the war in Iraq and, and uh, in that area. Um, you know, it's an unfortunate thing when anyone um, is a casualty of war. And um, by no means uh, should we minimize that at all. And you know, um, it's sad that oftentimes those things are out of our out of our sight, out of our mind. Uh, we uh, too too often, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. And um, and truly, um, our hearts are extended to those families that have suffered loss in those things um, throughout our nation's history. There have been um, extreme wars that have taken a a horrific toll. And, uh, of course, the worst of them all was the Civil War when our nation was at war with each other. And um, you can only imagine, and you've read stories and seen documentaries of the Civil War and and how... um, Brothers were fighting against brothers and sons against fathers and so on. And, and just, um, you know, through all that, uh, you begin to see just even the, the very nature of man, our nature by itself is, is, as Jeremiah said, deceitful and desperately wicked. There is no end of what we can do. And and yet, over and above all of this, in the last 37 years in our nation, we have killed more beings than all of the wars that our nation has been involved in. If you took all of the wars and combined them all together, it... it still falls short of the number of babies that have been aborted in the last 37 years in our nation. Five to 6,000 in the war in Iraq every day in the United States of America, over 4,000 babies are killed. Not every year, every day. In our nation. Now, 
I want, I, want you to, I want us to step back today and see the big picture. I'm going to say something. The real issue here is not abortion. There's, there's something much bigger than that. And I really fear um, that in Christian circles, in our zeal sometimes, it's not zeal according to knowledge. I think, well, let me back up. I think a lot of times we have just grown accustomed to the fact. And abortion is just a word that's politically bantered about. And, and we, we've lost sight of, of the reality of what's happening here. Of over 4,000 uh, babies every day. 90% and above of those are are killed for reasons of convenience. It's not because of incest or rape or because of the health of the mother or the baby. Uh, over 90% of those are, and that e- that's being conservative in the figures, are for reasons of convenience. It's always um, interesting to me that the junior age class... Amber Letts takes those girls up and, and they raise money for Alpha Women's Center each year and, and uh, then they go and buy uh, clothes and diapers and formula and take it to Alpha Women's Center. And, and it's always, um, because Denny's been in that class the last three years, it's, it's just always uh, so good to see uh, what they're exposed to and see the impact that 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 has on those young lives is they they realize and they they're they're showing these model babies in 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 the womb and and they come back with these uh, facts and things you know at 18 days from conception there is a detectable heartbeat i mean i don't have the time to go into it but the issue is not is their life I think one of the, uh, the sad parts, not only of the fact of what is happening, but then the consequences um, that come in the lives of those that are involved in, in performing abortions and having them, the whole thing definite links to, to huge increase in cancer. And um, the whole post-abortion syndrome is very documented. It's, it's, a, it's a, a great and grave reality. And uh, we don't have time to go into all of those things. But, um, you know, it's, it's amazing. Abortion is the only surgery in which the patient is not required to be informed of the nature of the surgery or its risks. And, and yet, as I said a moment ago, the issue is much bigger than abortion. And, and it is imperative that we step back and see. And, and let me just hasten to say right here, um, the message of Christ is a message of forgiveness and healing, and Jesus Christ came to bring that. 
And he came to bring forgiveness and healing and life. Satan has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. Now, if, if you just took those, those three things from each one, you, you certainly identify which side this issue that we're dealing with comes down on. But as I said, it goes um, much deeper than that. And, and I want to lay the foundation. I want us just to read uh, Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 17. Uh, through the end of the chapter, you follow along in your Bible as I read. For therein, that's a reference to the gospel, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their heir which is meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. A very important passage that we'll be referring to um, as we address these matters today. But we want to first of all begin by just stating, we believe... And that the Bible teaches that God is the one who established the sanctity of life. There is a marked difference 
between human life that is that is made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, when God created man, God and the Trinity said, let us make man in our image. And he breathed into him a living spirit. There is a marked difference between human beings and all other species, all other um, creation. We, we live in a day today that, that wants to put everything on the same level. This isn't arrogance, us saying this. This is God's design. And God designed life. He uh, laid down the laws to protect and uh, preserve human life. And he elevated the very nature of human life in providing protections, thou shalt not kill. And he gave many instructions in the Old Testament regarding the, the preserving of life and so on. But it is God that placed a value on human life. It is God that established human life. It is God that begins his work, he tells us. At the moment of conception, before, before we even were knowing anything, it says that God designed our members in the womb and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. All life represents God's handiwork, but human life, is made in the image of God. His image is, in, to a certain degree, almost mysteriously stamped on every life. And uh, the very existence of our life, we owe it to God. You didn't choose when you were going to show up here. You didn't choose the design of of how tall you'd be and what color eyes you'd have and what color hair you'd have and what color your hair would turn into or anything like that. God designed, and and this is the work of God. So, it, it's God is establishing the sanctity of human life. This isn't something that that somebody came up with. It is God that established the sanctity of human life. Of course, we're dealing with um, this matter of the sanctity of human life and uh, that strikes right at the root of it is um, this aspect of abortion. Now, let me just illustrate this way. If Friday night you stayed up all night long and you work Saturday and last night you stayed up all night long and you came to church today and you fell asleep in church the problem is not necessarily church or your lack of um, energy the problem is much deeper than that. Falling asleep in church is a symptom of the problem. 
And we have often been attacking the symptoms. Abortion is not the problem. It is merely a, one of many symptoms of the problem. And, and the fact of the matter is, and, and I'm not minimizing efforts to do this, but if Roe vs. Wade is overturned, and if it is, is made to be illegal, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but that's not going to solve the, the, the problem. It's much bigger than that. And, and I, I believe many times we throw our efforts into these things, and, and this is a litmus test, and, and as Christians, we must step back and see the problem And the problem is, given to us in Romans chapter 1, the problem is no God. N-O God. That when we as a people, we as a nation, we as an education system, we as churches... When we limit God, when we say, we don't need you, God, or you're all right if you're in this little box and, and you can affect this part of my life, but when we say, no, God, and this is exactly what we find in Romans chapter 1. Notice verse 21, "...because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination." And their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image made like to corruptible man, to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Notice, they changed the glory of the incorruptible, uncorruptible God. They knew God, but they glorified Him not as God. They said, no, um... We're going to choose our own way here. They did not glorify Him as God. They changed His glory. Rather than worshiping God, they then began worshiping self or worshiping animals or worshiping Mother Earth or the heavenly sky or the Great Spirit or whatever. And they changed the glory of God. Notice verse 25 who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. What is the truth of God that they changed into a lie? And the chief truth that lies at the foundation of this is the fact that God is the Creator. And the problem that we run into with no God is this. First of all, when you say no God, it begins by saying there is no creator. And I don't care how you say you got here. They used to say the Big Bang Theory. Well, they've they've proven that that couldn't have happened. And so they keep coming up with these theories and understand The origins are theories. No one was there when it happened but God. But in understanding these, yes, 
I believe in creation, and it's by faith I believe in that, because I wasn't there. But it's faith in the written Word of God. Evolution is a theory. They weren't there. But if you believe in anything other than God created the heavens and the earth, you've started on this path that brings us to where we are today. You say there is no creator. So, secondly, if there is no creator, there is no truth. Who establishes truth? We live in this postmodern society that, well, that may be true for you, but it's not true for me. That there are no absolutes. If there is no creator, if there is no God, then there are no absolutes. There are, There is no truth. Now, of course, everything shouts against that. I, uh, this is an absolute right here. I drop the book, it goes to the ground. It's an absolute. Tomorrow morning, I get up. Let, I don't get up. Let's check this out. If I drop this book, is it going to go up in the air? No, it goes down. That's an absolute. Gravity is an absolute. Who created that? How did that happen? The very aspect of all of this. I don't know much about music, but what I hear other people talking about, it, it's, it's amazing. Music is vibrations. This piano doesn't have any vibrations because the guts of it were taken out this week to get work done. So you wondered why she was playing. But you play a low C, a middle C, and a high C, and they're all C's because they have the same vibrations. Who designed that? How did that happen? How did it come about? There is a Creator. But when you remove God the Creator, then you have no truth, no, no accountability because you have no truth. With no Creator... There is no accountability. Who am I going to answer to? I'm just a being here, no different than the animals. I don't have to answer to anyone. So, what you believe, you might believe in eternity. I don't believe in that. I don't have to answer to anyone. And I can do whatever I want. If there is no Creator, there is no accountability. If there is no accountability, there is no truth. If there is no truth, there is no purpose. You have no purpose for life. Why are we here? Well, I'm, I'm here to enjoy. And if you have no purpose, you have no life. I am here for my pleasure. And right now, having this baby at this time is not what I want. So let's get rid of this. Right now, this baby would shame our family. So let's get rid of this. What's the problem? It's about pleasing me. There's no other purpose. There's no truth. There's no accountability because there's no creator. The fact of the matter is, um, God spelled out in Romans chapter 1 
the descent of mankind into these low, um, low, low moral behaviors. You look throughout all of history, wherever, wherever Christianity has been, there has been an elevation of respect for life. And wherever that has been diminished, there has been a disregard for life. Because it begins with God as the Creator. Now, the consequences of no God. And, and you know, people were up in, up in the arms about... Um, our president saying, our nation is not a Christian nation. And I understand being up in the arms about that. We have a definitive, definite Christian history. But I beg of you to find much evidence that today we are a Christian nation. And it's an, it's an evidence of the problems that come when we say no God. Just because we have in God we trust on our coins does not mean we're trusting in God. The consequences of no God is, number one, that no life is sacred. If no God, then there is no sanctity of life. And, And we're not just talking the life in the womb. One of the mantras of those for... For abortion or pro-choice was, we want every child a wanted child. So you would think if we eliminate all these unwanted children, that child abuse would go down. Since 1973, when abortion was legalized, child abuse has risen 500%. Why? Because there is no respect of life. There is no sanctity of life. Not only in the womb, but out of the womb. And it it all comes back to this. No life is sacred. Secondly, a consequence is pleasure becomes God. My pleasure becomes God. Now... We're here this morning, we're sitting in church, we're in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. But I really believe that what has crept into our lives is the fact that pleasure has become our God. I was reading in a book this last week, and it said when, when self becomes the center of your life. It affects every area of your life. It said when when you view life for your own pleasure or your own ease, and he gave the illustration, he said, it will affect how you view marriage. If you view life about this, that marriage then is about Fulfilling and making happy the adults that are involved in marriage. So that means you will take 
a, a weak view about the permanence of marriage. Whereas if you believe that God designed life and God designed every aspect of life and I am here about God's design and God designed marriage and so it's not necessarily about my personal happiness, it's about doing what God designed me to do and to raise children and train them to be um, constructive citizens, uh, complementary citizens of the society that they live in, that would make me have to take a strong view on the permanence of marriage. You know what we have in Christianity today? We have a lot of self-centered... I came up with this term. We have Bible-integrated humanism. We're self-centered, but, but we'll bring in the Bible to fit what we like. Yeah, I, man, I don't like that gay stuff. Get it out. Oh, the Bible's against that. And, and we'll take whatever fits us, but we're taking it to make us happy. And when God doesn't make me happy, well, then uh, I don't know about that. Why would God do any of that? I don't, I don't know. And we want to integrate the Bible where we like it, but we don't where we don't like it. And the bottom line is, many times we have the same God as the rest of the world. It's pleasing self. It's just we've chosen to include God a little bit. God will make my life better. Seek God first and He'll give you a good marriage. The purpose isn't God to fix everything. The purpose is God and His design. So pleasure becomes our God. It controls our decision. It controls our actions. It's amazing to me what goes on in the name of Christianity, what we can justify or excuse because it doesn't make me happy. I don't have time to go all the places I want to go this morning, but next. The consequences of no God is that wisdom is absent. Verse 22 of chapter 1, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. This is not, this is not a politically motivated statement, but... Verse 22 is a commentary on what we are doing in our nation and have been doing in our nation for a number of years. I mean, we're trying to, to, to reinvent the same things that have been tried in Russia and, and places around the world and have failed miserably. Professing ourselves to be wise. I don't care economically, morally. The things that we're doing, it's like, duh, that, of course that wouldn't work. 
I wonder why when I pour gas on this fire, I get burned. Uh, duh, that's the laws of nature. There, there's basic principles of God, of economics, of morality. We, we put all these public service announcements about sexually transmitted diseases and they're growing by leaps and bounds and blah, 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 blah. There is one solution to sexually transmitted diseases, and it's called sex in marriage alone. You know what? If we'd follow that, it'd take care of all this stuff. It's not educate them, show them how to, to use safe sex, and, and we need to develop these, these pills and medicines. and Professing ourselves to be wise, we've become fools. And God says, you don't want me? Well, you're headed on a path where there'll be no wisdom because God is the beginning of wisdom. And as a result, we're headed there in every area of our life and nation. I'll just add this, too. I'm sick and tired of hearing all these people say, say the things that Christians want them to hear, that Christians want to hear, and then when they get in office, don't do anything about it. The, the problem is not who we're getting into office. The problem is when we as Christians get back that my life is God, period. That it's not about me. It's not about my pleasure. That my life is God. And I'll get to that in just a moment here. But wisdom is absent Another consequence of no God is that God's judgment falls. Verse 32, Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Not only um, do they approve of what's wrong, They'll pay good money to go to a movie and watch it. It's wrong and be entertained by it. They'll pay good money to pipe it into their home and watch it. The issue is not paying money. The issue is we take pleasure in that which God does not take pleasure in. Oh, it was entertaining. Oh, there may have been a few bad scenes in that thing. You know. And God's judgment falls. You want to know what's happening in America? God said, you want to go down the path with no God? Go for it. You won't have wisdom. Step back and look at some of the decisions we're making. No wisdom. And he says, and that is, that is my own judgment on you. The worst judgment God can bring is to let us have our own way. When he lets us go our own way and he steps back and he says, go for it. And the judgment of God, if, if there was ever one land, one nation apart from Israel that ever had, if it was ever going to make it, would have been this nation. The, the foundational principles that were there, the, the, the foresight 
that God gave our founding fathers in, in just, and I'm beginning to realize this more and more, in just the balance, and, and it's not an equal balance, but the, the balance of powers that they established, it's, it's miraculous. But it doesn't matter what your foundation is. If you choose to stiff arm God, God doesn't break your arm. He says, Go for it, but you have no idea what you're prepared for. And the judgment of God falls. See, the answer is to make God your life. The answer is to come back, and and it begins with us personally. I need to live for God. If this is what God said, then that's what I need to do. Whether I understand it, whether I know it, it's not God will make me better and, well, I tried that and it didn't work and let me try this and see if it makes me happy. We have changed His glory. We have changed His truth. We have changed His design for the ease of self, for the pleasure of self, in Christianizing self. But the problem comes back to allowing God to be the Lord of our lives. Not the Lord of our senators' lives or our president's lives, although we need to pray to that end, but it begins with us taking personal responsibility. Am I really living for God? Or is it God do this for me and God and our our Bible-integrated humanism, our our self-centered Christianity, that, you know, that it doesn't fit. Self-centered follower of Christ, you can't have it. You can't be a follower of Christ and be self-centered. And the issue is much bigger than this. I really fear that as Christians, many times we have a very wicked attitude about abortion. We We haven't seen the big picture. We... We hate those people, and how could anybody do that? And in our pride, we're as affrontive to God as anything. Is our heart, God, I want you and you alone. See, it's easy to point fingers and blame the Supreme Court and the legislature and the senators and This is all a judgment of God. Where was the outcry in 1962 when when prayer was taken out of the schools? Officially taken out. And sure, there's some school districts that allowed it. Where where was the outcry when moment by moment the... um, the Bible was taken out and then officially taken out. And I'd be happy, I'd be really happy to talk to you if you bring up the separation of church and state issue, all right? I'd love to visit with you about that. But see, where was the outcry when it was taught as truth that we evolved over millions and millions and millions and millions of years? Where was the outcry? There was no outcry. Well, when you get in the wagon and you start down the hill, it's a little late to start screaming when you're hitting the wall. 
There needs to be a repentance that we got in the wrong wagon. And there needs to be a repentance that, God, I have wanted to use you, but it has to come back that you have to be my all. Heavenly Father, these feeble words of of this vessel fall far short of conveying the message that that I know your spirit once conveyed and I acknowledge my complete and utter dependence upon your spirit to bear home to our hearts these matters. Lord, I I would pray first and foremost not only here but across this land that there would be a genuine heart of repentance among we as Christians. And Lord, I know that, that as there is that, that then you in your way would take care of the other matters. Lord, it's been easy for us to live our lives for self and want to include you in certain things. God, would your spirit pinpoint in each of our lives where we've done that? And then, Lord, I pray if there's individuals here today that have said, you know, I've stiff-armed God all my life. I've never allowed Him in my life. And they realize today their need of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that they would see that anyone that comes to You, You will in no wise cast them out. So, Lord, I just commit truth to the working of your Spirit, and ask that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's